sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. Well, we're delighted to welcome you today. It's the midweek, Wednesday, and of course, uh, always want to encourage you to go to church on Wednesday night. Find a good, solid, Bible-believing church, good fundamental church in your area, and go to church Sunday, Sunday night, and uh, Wednesday night, or if they have their service Thursday or whatever, go to the midweek service and be a part of what's going on in that local church. Now, let me remind you as well, National Sword of the Lord Conference is coming July 17 through 20, and the details about it can be located on our website at swordofthelord.com. So check it out, and check us out while you're there. Lots of good things there for you. Now, yesterday and Monday, we started a series of messages about life-changing Bible principles. And I really uh, just tell you in advance here what I've done. I've worked through the entire book of Matthew and found many, many Bible principles. And these are the kind of things that will help you to get on track in your Christian life. They'll help you to stay solid. They'll help you to stay steady. And it lets you know that the Lord has basic principles that you can plug into your life. And really, it takes out a lot of the stress of you having to make decisions based on your own intellect or on your own little devil wisdom and really tap in to the knowledge that God gives us and the wisdom that he has available to us just by learning principles that are in the Bible. And we started out with Jesus' first principle, Matthew 6, 33. Then we looked at the salt and light principle, then the moth and rust principle, the dogs and hogs principle, the ask, seek, and knock principle, the do unto others principle, the straight and narrow principle, all of that as found here in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we're going to be working just a little bit more in the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to be working beyond that because the book of Matthew has a lot of first-mentioned things in it. First time you'll find it in the Bible, first time you'll find it in the New Testament, but these are Bible principles that help us. Today, let's begin in chapter 7 of Matthew and verse 20. A little short verse that says, Wherefore, by their fruits... Ye shall know them. Now, that follows verse 15, where Jesus said, Beware of false prophets. He tells you that they come like ravening wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. That is, they come disguised. They'll try to convince you that they're for real, but they are not what they claim to be. And Jesus said, By their fruits ye shall know them. And sometimes the moral fruits are corrupt. Sometimes the spiritual fruits are rotten. Sometimes the theological fruits are not good. And all of those things can be tested. They can be evaluated. And sometimes naive, immature Christians will say, well, now Jesus said, judge not lest you be not judged. He did say that right here in chapter 7 of Matthew. In this very chapter, he said that, verse 1. And he did so reflecting on unjust judgments. Remember, it is permissible for us to inspect the fruit or to make just judgments. Whenever you look at something and uh, you really need to make an evaluation of it, that's not violating what Jesus said in verse 1. And how do I know that? Well, there are other things in the Bible that complement it. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says, "...he that is spiritual judgeth all things." 
So when Jesus talks about not judging in verse 1 of chapter 7 in Matthew, he's talking about unjust judgments. If you don't like somebody because they're a short person or because they're a tall person, or if you don't like somebody because they uh, maybe have a different car than you have or they live in a bigger house than you do, I mean, those are unjust things. You do not evaluate people based on those superficial kinds of things. But instead, when it comes to evaluating character, when it comes to evaluating how a person functions in the world, we better pay attention. Otherwise, we may wind up getting hurt. We may wind up finding ourselves very vulnerable. And when Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits, he's just telling us, if you go out and they're claiming to be an apple tree, but there are grapefruit or tangerines on that tree, then you know the claim they're making about being an apple tree is not for real. And it's just a simple illustration that tells us that some of these folks who mount a pulpit, some of these folks who are in front of the TV cameras, some of these folks who have a radio microphone, they are claiming to be solid servants of God, but the fruit of their ministry, I mean, what they're professing, what they're teaching, what they are doing day by day, it all defies imagination. It denies the reality of what they really are. And we need to understand that and listen to what Jesus has to say. And this principle, I just call it the by their fruits principle. And it's one that really is so desperately needed to be heeded in this day. We have so many people today, it's like, well, if it's religious, we'll just go with it or we'll not say anything about it. You know, you don't talk about somebody's religion. I mean, you hear this kind of stuff all of the time, and it's not where we need to be. We need to make assessments. We need to analyze things and do what we can do to get straight on the track. And listen, the Lord's laid out all of these principles so that we will be able to make right kinds of judgments. Now, there's a second principle here, also in Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, talking about he finished the Sermon on the Mount, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Apparently, the scribes were pretty wishy-washy. Apparently, they were on one page one day and on another page the next day, and the people sometimes had difficulty following their train of thought, but not with Jesus, because when he stood up, he stood up to speak firmly and plainly, and he gave them what he gave them, not in some kind of a vacillating kind of a way, but he gave it to them as somebody commanding authority. Now, this principle is one I simply call the authority principle. There are people the Lord Jesus being one of them, who has authority and who is able to help us in an authoritative way, and we ought to attend to what he says and give it place as an authority statement. And you and I have every reason to yield to proper God-given authorities. And you know, when a person who has divine authority that is, they may be the pastor, it may be the husband in the home, but they have God-given responsibilities. When they follow what's in the Bible, when they pay attention to these God-given principles, listen, you have no reason to hesitate in following them. Now, if they're not going to follow the Lord, I would suggest maybe you not follow them. But at the same time, following, taking another person's word for it, and letting them be an authority in your life— that's okay as long as they follow the Lord. Now, let's look 
at another principle similar to that in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. And this one I call the leadership fellowship principle. Chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. So Jesus is taking leadership, and Matthew is exerting fellowship. And I'm telling you, dear friends, it's a principle that you and I both need to get hold of. We need to listen to the Lord Jesus and follow him. The Sermon on the Mount is uh, such a powerful statement. It takes up three entire chapters here in the book of Matthew, and it has so many, many great things in it. And they're not all just soft, gentle things. Some of them are very tough, hard things. I mean, they're things that uh, rattle the people when he gave it and still rattle people if they'll pay attention to it. And you and I, though, need to remember that the Lord deserves our fellowship. He is a worthy leader, and we simply need to listen what he has to say. That verse I quoted a minute ago about him having uh, authority, teaching as one having authority, the people were astonished. They were astounded at his doctrine. What he had to say, I mean, it puzzled some of them so much that they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know where to turn. Well, you and I sometimes may be puzzled as well, but if it's the Lord Jesus, if it's found here in the Bible, you and I simply need to lay hold of it, And whether it's from the words of Jesus or the words of some of the other writers of Scripture, we need to take it to heart. Now, let's look at another one here. This one in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. The Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Now, this one I simply call the compassion principle so ably illustrated by the Lord Jesus, I mean demonstrated over and over again in his dealing with people all along the way. I think about his dealing with Nicodemus in uh, John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a big shot. He was somebody they'd refer to as a VIP. I mean, he was a powerful figure in Jerusalem, and yet when he came inquiring, asking questions, Jesus dealt gently with him in John chapter 4. Uh, We have him dealing with one of the women that uh, had uh, issues, and he dealt, again, very, very gently with her. Same thing in John chapter 8, another woman that uh, had all kinds of problems in her background, and yet Jesus dealt with her compassionately, and on and on. I mean, we find these incidents, illustrations, these times when Jesus encountered real people with real hurts, real heartaches, real burdens, and he dealt with them warmly and compassionately. Now, let's make very clear what we looked at a minute ago with Jesus, I mean, just laying it on the line in his teaching and his being compassionate with the individuals. I mean, all of that works together just fine. I think sometimes we preachers forget that you can be firm about what you stand for, and you can be firm about what you believe and what you teach and preach, and we ought to be. We ought to be bold. We ought to be upright. We ought to be forthright in what we say and in the things that we do. But at the same time, we can be warmly compassionate with people all along the way. It's important for us to do that. And when somebody walks through the doors on Sunday— or whether we're meeting them out in town somewhere, whatever the case. They may be a homeless person, or they may be somebody driving a Rolls Royce. Whatever the case, however people are 
in life, I mean, whatever their stage in life, whatever circumstances that they're in, you and I, as the sons and daughters of the living God and as the servants of God, we can deal with people in this same compassionate way. I thank the Lord that over the years I've had the privilege to help many, many people who were on drugs, many, many people who were into alcohol, and really alcohol had a great grip on them, and other people involved in all kinds of immoral activity, business-wise and with interpersonal relationships and other such things, and to really deal with them warmly, I mean deal with them as a person of worth, but at the same time to tell them what the message of God was and what the Lord would expect of them and to get them headed in the right direction. What a joy it is to see somebody come out of the woodwork. I mean, they just come out of the hole that they've dug for themselves and they get on track with the Lord. And listen, a lot of that is because somebody is firm with them and at the same time compassionate toward them. And you and I can do that. We can treat other people like we want to be treated. Jesus taught us that in Matthew 7, 12. We looked at that one already. Great principle, that do unto others principle. And you see, many of these tie together. Many of these life-changing principles work together in a way that just creates something really, really special. Now, let me just say here, as we get down near the end today, I want you to know these Bible principles, I mean, they've been tucked in here all the way along, and I'm just kind of digging them out, getting them out here where we can look at them, because if we learn these Bible principles, whatever the circumstances, whatever the days of difficulty that we may experience, whatever challenges come to us, whoever confronts us about this, that, or the other, we will be in position to handle it and to keep on going. Too many of us wind up on the scrap heap doing nothing, faltering, failing, flailing away simply because that we don't know how to handle it. And the life-changing principles in the Bible are there to help us. And we're going to keep on with this for a few days. So I hope you'll stay with me. Be with me again tomorrow. We'll look forward to the time together. In the meantime, remember, I love to hear from you. And I hope you'll write me a note. Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, dear friends, let's get back together here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now. Thank you.